there must be at least one million songs about love. But in the immortal words of Def Leppard, love bites, especially in pandemic times. Instead, we find ourselves at the perfect time to celebrate the songs of self-love. And while the list isn't quite as long, there are enough catchy songs about the joys of solo sex to fill at least the notches of the Billboard Hot 100. The Buzzcocks, Orgasm Addict. Cindy Lauper's Shebop. Violent Femmes, Blister in the Sun. Billy Idol's Dancing with Myself. Tori Amos, Icicle. Green Day's Longview. Peaches, Diddle My Skittle. Today on Hidden Jukebox, one of my favorite songs of the 90s, the Divinal's 1990 masterpiece, I Touch Myself. I first have to start out by saying, how long did it take you to compile that list of songs about solo sex? It's it would not long. It's very easy. Do you just type in songs about solo sex into Google and all of these come up? Um, yeah, I, I will. I will post a screenshot with the episode because it's pretty funny. Like Google does. It's like, oh, Google already knows the answer to this. I don't even have to take you to a website thing. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I also have to say, we, one of us will always put together, before we do each podcast, the intro. One of us will write it. Yeah, can you and, tell who wrote this one? <laughs> it's not always the person who reads it, believe it I or know. not. But um, when Matthew was, was uh, drafting this one up... All he had written for the intro was, we all know that the music in the 90s started on September 24th, 1991. And I had to Google this because I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I was, I was like going for a completely different approach. And then last night I was like, okay, I, get, I know what the intro is going to be. <laughs> September 24th, 1991 for all of us who don't know is the day that Nirvana Nevermind was released. That's right. Which is an album that we'll hopefully get to eventually. Maybe. Um which which also has absolutely nothing to do with the song released in November of 1990. No, the, the the way I was going with that was that like this this feels like as much of an 80s song as a 90s song in the same way that many songs from 1990 and 91 do. Right. Um it's that gray area where I go can we actually cover this song? Did this song come out in the 90s? Uh, if you had asked me before we did this episode I would have said uh, that album came, or that song came out in 1989. Um, yeah, but you know what? It, it is more rock than uh, than this song would have been in the 80s. Like they would have put a bunch of synths on it. They would have taken out all the bass. Like it was already like trending in a 90s direction. So a, a couple of facts about Divinals. Yeah, uh, the the well known artists who wrote "I Touch Myself" co wrote. Um, they actually formed in 1980. And they were considered a hard rock band. Mm -hmm. If you go back and listen to their stuff um, in the 80s, they're, they're Australian. And even this song, despite the fact that I don't think anybody would listen to it and go, now that's a good rock song. It peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100, but peaked at number two on Billboard Modern Rock Tracks. I So when I went back to listen to this, um, it was more rock than i remembered and particularly the intro can we, can i just like play the play the intro i wanted you to play the intro because it's weird yes it is i love myself i want you to love me. what's going on there i think um, it's great 
It's oh, by it, the way, we should we should like come clean and say Jake. The first thing Jake wrote on the agenda was, "I hate this song. I really hate this song." And and so I had to compile a list of songs that I could compare to this in terms of how the hell did this become a hit? Uh-huh. And what I came up with from the '90s was "I'm Too Sexy" by Right Said Fred, mm-hmm. "Macarena" by Los Del Rio, and Cotton Eye Joe, who I don't even know the artist, but somehow everybody oh, knows it, Cotton Eye Joe. Rednecks? Yes, is that right? It is. With two it with X, various numbers of X's. It's twenty six X's yeah. in the name. Um, it it just still. Like, there's certain songs that I can go back and listen to and go, ooh, I was a hater back then. This is a really good song. I still can't listen to this song and go, oh, man, it's it's a great pop hit. And Matthew could not disagree with this more. Um, I think this is a fantastic song. I think it's fun. I, I absolutely will concede that it's a novelty song. Uh, but, like, you know, I like the positive message, and I think it is super catchy and has... Cu- kind of unusual song structure and that intro is very interesting okay so what i did uh right before we uh logged on to record this was i wrote down the song structure because i was like what the hell is going on in this song oh i'm so glad you want to talk about this because i I started to write down some stuff about it and then i was like uh you know we kind of get into the weeds on this stuff too much sometimes maybe we'll skip it this time let's do it some people go these guys are too nerdy i don't care about this shit but the song starts with that weird dissonant intro then it goes into the verse that everybody seems to be able to sing along with and then goes into the chorus that everybody knows right then it goes into what i can't it, it's not a pre-chorus because it it goes into the verse it's like a second verse that only happens once in the song okay Here's how I... Okay, no, keep going. Then it goes back into the verse, mm-hmm. back into the chorus. Then there's an instrumental section. Then it goes back into the original verse. You never hear that second verse again. Back into the chorus, a little vocal breakdown in, into a, another chorus out that goes on for a while when she keeps throwing in here and there, I honestly do. I love that, yeah. I love it so much. It's funny every time. <laughs> Here's how I would define the structure of this song. Uh, it has that uh, dissonant intro that's sort of it's sort of like, you know, building to a release, if you will. Uh, and then it goes right into the pre-chorus, then the chorus, then the verse, then the pre-chorus and chorus. That's that's how I hear it. Wait, so what are you thinking of as the verse? Uh, you're the one who makes me come, honey. So you're saying that the verse only happens, only happens once, once <laughs> in the entire song. That's how I hear it. Like it, it doesn't. the The first part does not read like a verse to me. It's it's got too much momentum for that. Okay, so for anybody who has completely gotten lost so far on this whole idea, uh, we've talked about this before on the show. But you listen to Beatles songs, and it's like, yeah, you have a little intro, and then you open up with a verse, and then you get to the chorus that everybody can sing along with, and it's usually verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Some sort of bridge that goes away from that idea, chorus and out. Yeah. Pop songs aren't usually written like this where you're like, I don't really know how to define what each of these parts is. I feel like the whole song is a sing along. Like you hear this karaoke all the time. Yeah. Everybody knows all the lyrics. But when you break it down, it doesn't really make much sense. Uh, no. And uh, that's that's part of what I like about it. Like it, it rewards uh, like a close inspection. So I wanted to talk a little bit about something that we've never talked about on this show oh, before, okay. and that is A&R reps. These oh, are a thing people, we're both experts on. 
I, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but after watching a documentary about David Geffen. Who, oh, okay. Now you who, feel like an expert. Who Who is it? <laughs> now I know I'm an expert. Uh-huh. Um, he He's a genius in terms of what A&R artists and repertoire reps do. Uh, they're almost obsolete nowadays because there are so many so few songs that become major major hits out of labels and you can uh become a hit maker on your own without a label discovering Mm -hmm. you um but back in the day all labels had artists and repertoire reps and it was their job to go out and find new bands and new songs to make a ton of money off of and so what I, from what I understand about A and R reps, they can listen to a pile of CDs, tapes, whatever you want to say nowadays, and go after ten to twenty seconds. Nope, nope, nope. Right, and then put something on and go, here it is. This is a hit. So a song like this that opens up with these weird dissonant chords. What was it that somebody at Virgin Records was listening to and went, yes, this is it. This is what we've been looking for. Oh, so you're focusing on the intro because like everything else about the song, like I think would jump out at me as like, oh yeah, definitely this is the single. You but know, from, it's it's just a little bit edgy and playful. You know, people are people are going to be talking about it. Like, did you hear that that song about how I touch myself? Um, and it's super sing along catchy with a very strange intro that I think works really well. It does once you get into the song, but. From what I understand about A&R reps, they would sometimes press stop after two seconds. Like, yeah. That would kick in and they go, no, 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 that is too weird. So somebody must have taken the extra 10 seconds and gone, okay, I'm going to give this a chance. And once her vocals come in, went, whoa, okay, because it's pretty much like a chorus punching you in the face right from the get-go, which we know that Matthew absolutely loves. Um, yeah, I mean, I could hear this song starting off with just like a big snare hit and then the vocals come in. Right. 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 Like, like there's other, there's plenty of other things that I would have done with this song to start out that would not have been a weird dissonant guitar thing. Yep. It, it, it was probably, uh, an idea of the really awkward guy who's in the front of the picture on... (laughs) On this album cover. <laughs> right. Um, you asked what influenced this song and, like, did it influence anyone else? And uh, I thought it was a good question and tried to, like, dive as deep as I could on that. And I think there is a distinct Donna Summer influence on this song. Um, even though it is not in any sense a disco song or even really a dance song. But, like, the way the song has, like, like a, uh, you know, a strong forward motion, you know, the, the oohs, uh, the breathy vocals, the, the frank sexuality, like, it's all, like, working within a framework that Donna Summer invented. Yeah, um, I can see that. And, and I, I went back and listened to a bunch of Donna Summer songs after I realized that, and wow, like... Almost every Donna Summer song is just delightful. Well, I, I think of like like hot stuff mm-hmm. um, or bad girls, and yeah, it's it's on that page. And then in terms of what it influenced, you said Britney Spears, and I can totally hear that, especially in the vocal inflection. Mm-hmm. It's it, I don't know if Britney Spears would go, well, my career wouldn't exist without Chrissy Amphlett, but. Uh, if somebody pointed out to her, she may not disagree. Right. Um, 
or by now she's completely lost her mind and doesn't even remember that she had a music career. I don't know. Isn't she, hasn't she been up to some really uh, weird stuff on Instagram? So weird. I'm not, so, I'm not like really following it day to day, but I hear it's great. So, so my girlfriend Lori uh, shared this with me recently, completely randomly. Like we, Matthew and I had not talked about this beforehand, but she said, have you seen what Britney Spears has been up to on Instagram lately? And I said, no, it turns out that's not what I do with my week. And she showed <laughs> me and it is these videos where she's talking about blather nothing and then pictures of her in very, very strange clothing and nothing about music and nothing about her fans, really. It's it's kind of self-absorbed and very, very strange. Um, but like, does she seem like she's having a good time? I just kind of want Britney to be happy. I She she doesn't seem sad, mm-hmm. but there's no there's no videos of her out at a party or like. There's there's nothing with her with fans or friends or anything. It's all solo Britney in front mm-hmm. of the camera, which seems kind of lonely if you ask me. Um, speaking of Britney, like there was a Britney song that I could have put on the, on my list and didn't. Um, is it Touch of My Hand? Is that what it's called? Jesus, now you're challenging me with um, things that I definitely don't know. I'm 100% correct. Touch of My Hand does sound like the type of song that mm-hmm. would fall on the same list of solo sex songs mm-hmm. uh yeah uh 2003 from in the zone uh unfortunately we can't cover it yeah on this show even though i really really wanted to but uh i mean we can do we can do uh baby one more time yes sometime, we can right uh we we had discussed early on doing that entire album and i i don't know if this if is if a while we're doing individual songs i think that is a perfect opportunity to do just that song because that song is wild. <laughs> it it is, especially as as a debut single. Yes. Let's let's get back to okay. what we're talking about here. Um one of the things that I wanted to mention about I Touch Myself is this song, even though the two main members of Divinals, uh Chrissy Amphlett and Mark McEntee, mostly wrote stuff on their own, they wrote this song with a pair of professional songwriters, Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg. Oh, I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. And I had to look up if these, uh, if this songwriting duo had written anything else famous. And they are known for Like a Virgin and Eternal Flame. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, like they were major hit makers in the 80s. Uh, True Colors... I'll Stand By You. They, they've got a list of songs that became smash hits. Um, Eternal Flame is one of my all-time favorite songs. It is a really great song. When, when I said earlier, I don't look back at I Touch Myself and go, I made a mistake. That's a really great song. As many young boys uh, do when they're growing up, they, they're like, ooh, girls, gross. So in the 80s, when I was five six years old and the bangles were super popular i thought that i was not supposed to like them because ooh girls gross Mm -hmm. and i go back and listen to the bangles and go man that was a great band great Um, great song oh yeah like like super super big hits that that i'm surprised you don't hear all the time nowadays um yeah no all all bangles hits should be played at all times regularly so I don't lump this song in 
with with stuff like that. Uh, I want to hear a little bit more about what makes you love this song. Um, well, I don't know. We've talked about this before. Like at some point, you get to like talking about two two songs or two bands or two albums that are very similar, and there's one you love and one you hate. I think there I think there are a lot of songs that uh, genre wise are very similar to this that would not be my favorite, but just something about you know it's. For me, it's usually about the vocals or the chord progression. Like, you know, it's something about the harmony in this song. Um, just, you know, it just like goes in deep and says like, you know, you know, this is how you're going to feel right now, whether you like it or not. <laughs> well, I, I feel like this is a song that was adopted as like a, a feminine anthem. Sure. Um, that even though it was co-written by two guys does not seem like it's written for men at all. No. Speaking of which, uh, can we talk? How do you feel about WAP? I have no idea what <gasps> WAP is. Oh, my God. Today's your lucky day, Jake. Uh, just uh, hop on YouTube and uh, and search for WAP and be sure you're watching, like, not the official video, but the, the uh, uncensored version. Okay. Um, I mean, don't do it right now during the show, but... Um, uh, this is this is a uh, song by uh, Cardi B and Megan The Stallion, and oh, it is I've, I've been very f- good and very funny. I've been hearing about this all week because there's been this major controversy about it. About uh, I I don't really know. Are men supposed to like this? Is this derogatory against men? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like, I, I have, almost have the, care. Have the women finally gone too far? <laughs> Uh, I I'm super interested about the, about this. Um, unfortunately, one of the reasons that we do a show about '90s music, aside from the fact that there were many more platinum artists, is because I don't listen to a lot of contemporary stuff these days. I really should be educating myself on anything and everything coming out that's really popular. But it took me like so long to even hear old town road that by the time somebody said oh you should hear old town road i went on to youtube and it had something like a hundred million views already i'm like well i'm glad i'm getting in early on this one um well you know that's why you got me yeah because uh my brother who's almost five years older than me is here to teach me about things like wap that's right um like if you want to if you want to know like what is what is hip in the world of of tunes um you turn to a 45 year old white guy yeah and when you want to know what what is hip is actually to a 40 year old white guy you think about tower of power in the 70s and their hit song what is hip and that's about (laughs) how far my knowledge of current music goes um okay speaking of current music and this almost relates back to uh to our song of the week month um speaking of uh, of great uh, female-led rock bands um the beths out of new zealand have a new album that came out last month and is terrific it, terrific it is called uh, jump rope gazers and it's on all the platforms i do know who they are i have yes. not heard it yet yeah the, the fucking pandemic we were going to see the beths play at the laser dome really yes in april that i didn't even know they do shows at the laser dome i know 
And and we had like a many long conversations about like what if the show is at the laser dome, but they don't like turn the lasers on during the show. This would be the most disappointing thing that could ever happen to you. <laughs> and we we eventually concluded like no, like definitely there will be lasers, but no, there were not. You're you're just seeing a show in a dark domed room. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Boy, this is really anticlimactic. Except that I love this band. Um, yeah. The, well, I think the the like the writer for the show says like uh, you know you're gonna play the laser dome. We're gonna we're gonna like turn on the lasers and make you look really cool. However, you have to play Dark Side of the Moon from start to finish. <laughs> uh, some bands could pull that off. Yes. Um, I want to add one more thing about I Touch Myself, Please. which I was blown away by when I saw it. Not that I should be because sessions musicians get around especially back in the day it doesn't say specifically that these two guys played on this track but it says that they were touring musicians with divinals in 1990 ben montanch played keyboards and maybe on this track Ben Montanch from the Heartbreakers? He is the keyboard player of the Heartbreakers, Uh as in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And the bass player on this song is none other than Randy Jackson. Excellent. American Idol. For American Idol. Yes, who also in the 80s played bass for Journey. And if you've never looked up pictures of Randy Jackson on stage with Journey in the 80s, I promise you will not be disappointed. I'm just looking this up right now. It's. Outstanding. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's like you can't look away. It's unbelievable. Oh you, yeah, this is this is primo hair. Yeah, you you almost think he he was joking around, right? Like somebody said, you have to look like this to be. And he's got a polka dot base that the fretboard has polka dots. Yeah, yeah. It it's amazing. It's like he was trying to steal the thunder of Steve Perry. Yeah. And, no and I think steals, maybe succeeded. No one steals Steve Perry's That's thunder. That's true. Um, all right. Um, well, final thing, I think um, Chrissy Amphlett died in 2013, RIP. Yeah. Um, RIP. And uh, what song should we do next time? We don't have to decide now on the air. But Well, the, it, it's funny. Um, we we seem to tend to go back, back and forth between female artists male artists we discussed britney spears the other one that we've just discussed is um uh, four non blondes what's up Mm -hmm. i had another idea because we both watched this documentary in the last couple weeks oh i know what you're gonna say and i think it's a good idea blind melon no rain let's do it yeah so you can find us uh on instagram dot com slash jukebox hidden you can find us on facebook.com slash hidden jukebox www.hiddenjukebox.com tell your friends uh tell your enemies leave a review wherever you get the show you're still not doing anything with yourself we're still not recording in the same room i haven't seen my older brother in almost six months it's kind of weird yeah i don't i don't even know like who your older brother is anymore i don't know what he looks like send me a picture um it's gonna be i'm gonna send you a picture of me at the laser dome with a polka dot guitar that's beautiful i'm gonna uh somehow do my hair just like randy jackson those pictures even though i don't have any (laughs) all right see you next time see you next time